What is going on, everybody? I am Greg Hellback, and my co-host, Michael Pinter, and I are bringing you another episode of the New York Real Estate Investing Show. This show is all about how to be successful in New York State, one of the best places and one of the most difficult places to do business in. And each and every week, Michael and I are going to bring awesome content to everybody who wants to learn how to do this business successfully in New York. Between the both of us, we have done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of deals. We've made millions of dollars and we've also made a ton of mistakes. So if you want to try your best to avoid those mistakes, definitely take a listen to this podcast. Every single week, we are going to provide actionable tactical steps on how you can be successful investing in the Empire State of New York. Stay tuned and welcome to the show. All right, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, Real estate investing in New York radio show. Uh, Mike Pinter, Greg Hellbeck here. Congratulations um, on uh, listening to the show. Uh, this is the show to listen to if you want to learn how to do business in New York, or if you're in New York. Ironically, today's show is going to be how do you invest out of New York? How do you do <laughs> it uh, in a way where you won't lose your your all your hair? Uh, and happy 2023, depending on when you're listening to this. It's uh, January 4th as of this recording. So, Michael, today we got a great topic. I figured. You know, we were on the phone earlier today and I was telling you, I'm like, dude, most of our deals, I mean, we're still doing a considerable amount of property in New York, but recently we have been doing a lot of out-of-state investing. And I got to tell you, there's a lot of benefits to it that I like. So um, I know that's something you're actually going to you know, start doing more of now. And I'd love to kind of hear uh, your experience on doing it and, and what you're kind of doing now with the whole out-of-state thing, because you and I are both, um, you know, obviously open to that idea now. Sure. So, you know, creative finance is always something that looks great. You know, to a lot of people, when we yeah. when we're we go to Investor Fuel, and there are guys that are that their whole business is creative finance, right? So I look at creative finances. It's really got four main tools, and um, most of them don't work in New York. So the the four tools of creative finance are, I think, a subject to, which means you buy a property, and the guy is going to leave the mortgage in place. It's almost impossible to happen in New York. I'm but doing it's one of those right now in Texas. Right, but it works in it works pretty much everywhere else, and it basically a situation where the guy is usually a little behind on his payments, can't make the payments, wants to walk away. You look at the property, and you can make it work with those payments. Maybe you got to put some money up to get the payments current, current, but you can either you can rent the property out and <laughs> be cash flow positive, or you can do something, fix it up while those payments are getting made and then sell it and pay the loan off. So subject two, there's owner financing. So owner financing from a seller is always good anywhere, including it's even better in New York. If there's some Not seller- easy to get that in New York. You got it. If a seller wants to be the bank, let them be the bank because yeah. that's the one state you don't want to be the bank in. But what's really <laughs> interesting is owner financing out to a buyer where you're the bank, right? Now that yeah. works in, in a lot of states. Texas is great. Georgia's great. About six states that are really quick on foreclosures if the guy doesn't make a payment. You def definitely don't want to do that in New York. Um, so, so there's subject to owner finance. There's lease options, which do work in New York, but the numbers rarely work in New York because the price points are high and the taxes are high. <laughs> That's where you're going to buy a property. Basically, you're going to rent it with an option to buy. And then either you can wholesale, you can wholesale that option or you can then lease option to a tenant buyer where it's, a, it's called a sandwich lease option where you're renting from the seller with an option to buy and you are renting the property to someone with an option to buy from you. And there's usually, they're going to pay you more than you're paying. And what was the fourth one? There was something else. I forget. Oh, um, 
a land contract. I think that was that's it. That's a seller finance deal. It's a seller finance. All right, seller finance. So I'll, I'll, let me, let me explain. I'll explain the land. So I didn't know what this was until like a year ago. It's a land contract is basically the same thing as like buying a car. You never own your car until you pay the note off in full. So a land contract, someone basically holds the deed, you make payments, you act as the owner. And then the second that entire debt is paid off, then you become the actual owner. It just protects the person selling it to you in case you try to, you know, fool around. You have um, you have a little bit more protection as the person loaning the money. Um, right. So what I so so all these things work much better outside New York. And one of the things 100%, yeah. one of the things I'm trying to uh grow is uh doing owner finance deals where i am going to get private money to buy the property at x interest rate and then which is a good return for the people and then um find buyers where i can where i can sell where i can sell the property to them and their monthly payment will be similar to what it would cost to rent in that area and then at, but at a much higher rate and usually at a higher price so for example, I can buy a property for $100,000 and pay someone, let's say, 9% interest on it and then sell the property for $160,000 at a 12% or 13% rate. And the dip, that gap is where I'm going to be cash flow positive. And also you get down payments from the buyer. So you get paid when, you, when, it, when it first starts and then you get paid monthly. And then at some point they pay you off and you make money at that point too. So you... Let me just unpack this, right? I know exactly what this is, but I'm going to just pretend like I'm a newbie. Salivating. Sure. I'm making money. Uh, so you get paid. So you buy the property with someone else's money. That's step one. You, you buy the property for hundred grand, like you said. Someone else funds the entire enchilada. Ironically, you'll get my joke because uh, you're buying in Texas. Uh, right. <laughs> and then you turn around and sell for, let's say, let's just call it 150 now, not 160 because the market. Now- with a down payment, what are you going to get? 10% down? Let's say 10%. So 15 grand goes right into Uncle Michael's pocket. Correct. And then the balance of 135 gets financed with like a three or 4% spread, which just means that you owe 9%, you're getting 12%. Can you charge 12% legally in the state of Texas? You can charge 6% above prime, and prime is 6.75. So you can charge 13, charge 13 and three quarters. What happens if the rate, what happens if the, like what happens if the rates go down? Do you have to adjust it or that's at the time? I don't think so. I think it, if you have a 30 year fixed loan and the prime rate goes down, they're not going to ask all those, all these people to adjust it down. So adjust I don't think so. Down. So that, that almost sounds like a can't lose scenario there, Michael, where you, you really, and because let me, let me ask you this now. And I, I know a little bit about this, but you know, probably a little bit more than me. How quick can you foreclose in Texas? What does that process look like? Um, it's, it's, it's three months. Two, three months. It's pretty quick. The point, the point is not even how long it takes. The point is that everybody there knows that it's real quick. So if a guy loses his job in Texas and can't make his mortgage payment, doesn't have any 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 prospects and doesn't have any money, he may just walk away from the house to, to save himself the trouble of having a foreclosure on his on his on his mortgage, right? He may just get the hell out, move in with his with his with his friend. So it's not so much that it takes quick; it's that everybody knows it's quick. Everybody knows, like you're, you're not hanging in New York. You're just hanging out ten years. You just I had a guy a call today. He's been in 2009. He's been in foreclosure. You're having a party while the lender pays your taxes and your insurance. In Texas, it's like if I can't make my my mortgage payment this month, it's and it's like it's same in rent and with rental also, right? If you if you're 
The evictions there could take. Oh, could take I got one right now with another fucking asshole in Monroe. Yeah. But two, no, but here in New York, you take forever. But in yeah, Texas, it's like two months. So I'm saying anybody in Texas knows that if they can't make their housing payment, they are really in deep shit. And that changes everybody's mindset, right? They'll beg, borrow, and steal to make the payment. They'll do anything to make the payment. Or they will, very often, they're not going to even make you go through the legal trouble of getting them out. They're just going to walk away. That's the beauty of it. It's a completely different mindset than any. I had that happen to me. I literally had what you just said happen to me on a on a rental in Texas years ago. The dude knew he was screwed, and he got the. He just literally left. Literally walked out of the property, and it was unoccupied, and we put it back on the market. But yeah, it's so. This is how we're going to relate it to the show. Obviously, you know how does this relate to my business in New York or our business? If you want to do sub subject to owner financing, I'm doing an owner uh, subject to deal right in Texas right now. Ironically. Um, you, you really, I will say this, it's technically possible to do it in New York, a subject to deal. I've actually seen it happen once, once that's out of, I don't know how many combined transactions we've done one fucking transaction. I almost can't believe it. It was from a, a friend of ours who I can't name on the record, but he gave money to somebody, which was a second position. I'll tell you afterwards, you'll like this one. Okay. And then he's foreclosing from the second and he had me send my contractor out there to change the locks. You know where I'm going here. And there was a first on the property and I'm like, what the fuck? And um, yeah, so that was a sub two deal. And I actually looked at it and it was legit, but here's the point I'm trying to make. You can do them on a one-off basis, maybe annually. It's like your Christmas present, but you should not expect to have a business in New York City. I don't care who, what guru you're watching. I don't know a single person in New York that's doing real volume of subject to owner finance deals. I don't know a single person. In it's like a unicorn. It may, maybe it shows up once in your life, that kind of thing, where a guy is yeah. not represented by an attorney. He just want, he's got in trouble. He's not He's not represented by an attorney. And somehow you find the title company that let you do it because it's not easy to find that either. You have to do this out of state. That's the point we're trying to say. You, you, yes. You're better off doing this. At, listen, you can wholesale flip and do rentals in New York like we do. But if you want to do any sort of creative financing, you... you I would go to Pennsylvania, honestly. Go to Pennsylvania. You, you don't Jersey, have to go very far. You could even do it in New Jersey if you have to. Jersey's hairy though to foreclose. It's it's. You, have you ever done a mortgage in Jersey with the? Mortgage? Oh, you're saying for, yeah. You're right. Foreclosures take a long Subject time. Subject to you can do it, yeah. But the the seller financing in Jersey, I would wouldn't touch that with a ten foot pole. If you're loaning the money out, but um, you go to Pennsylvania, Ohio. I mean, you can go to, I mean, Delaware. You can do it. I pretty much anywhere by besides New York. I mean, you could do it in Connecticut. Um, actually, Connecticut, I wouldn't do it in, but uh, you got to do this out of state. Uh, so, Michael, let me ask you this. Like, this is almost like a little mini interview for you. What was your epiphany you had on you want to do this versus rentals? Because you have rentals, well, just like me. Right. So, I have re I've had rentals since 2004. Hey, fucking suck. Hey, fucking Rentals suck. Right? Here's the problem with rentals. The problem with rentals, number one, is tenants, right? That's the biggest issue. And tenants will bust your balls. And rental property that you own. I mean, we all dream of owning these rental houses, right? I want to own 300 rental houses and I'm going to be sit on a beach. But you've got to understand that unless you're significantly cash flow positive, you're basically just, it's just saving money for the next, for the next Burning. capital improvement, right? Okay. Because tenants treat your house like shit and they have no qualms calling you and telling you that, you know, the fourth refrigerator in two years broke. And all this shit adds up. Everything's expensive. Inflation's gone up. And with that, with owner financing, you're getting cash flow, but none of this is your problem, yeah. right? Everything's their problem. It's their house. No one calls their mortgage lender and says, hey, my, my refrigerator broke. 
mortgage owners say, go fuck yourself. So, so owner finance to me is, is in, a, in a good state is really the, the, the only, the only downside to it versus rentals is that you, we all believe whether it's true or not, that our rental portfolio is going to go up in so much value that it's going to make it all worthwhile. And they're got, listen, if you bought rentals 20 years ago, you, you're sitting on a huge e- equity appreciation. But number one, I don't think we're in positive ho- home price appreciation right now. I think we're in negative. We could be in negative for years. So I don't want to buy rentals where in three years from now, they're going to be worth 10% less. And I dealt with all this bullshit with the tenants. Um, but with owner finance, it doesn't matter where the market goes, right? You're selling the property and and, and if you if you do it the way I discussed, right? There's really two ways to do it. So one way to do it is you take a hard money loan out, right? The, the, this, this, that's the, I realize there's two different um, schools of thought there. There's the Nick Legomaro school of thought, which is take a hard money loan and then immediately sell the note at like 85% of its value to recoup your money and do it again. But you have to really do 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 it in a certain way, where you where you do a first lien for seventy five percent, and then a second lien at twenty five percent, and you your loan has to your loan package has to be pristine, where it can really get sold in the secondary market. The other way is you take you take private money and it stays in place, and then the note that you're giving to the person it doesn't really matter. I mean, it has to it has to obviously pass the Dodd Frank test, and it has to be yeah. you have to prove that the person can make the payment. You can't be predatory. But the appraisal is irrelevant, right? If the house is worth $100,000, I can still do a note for $180,000. It doesn't matter. Nobody's doing an appraisal. As long as the number, the monthly payment number works out, then that works out. So that's, that's a, and, and I think that's the Mitch Steven uh, school of thought. Mitch yes. Steven school of thought is get private money, take a, take a, take a, wrap, a wrap mortgage for the new loan. The appraisal's irrelevant. The, um, the doc package is doesn't have to be pristine. Doesn't have to look like you know. I remember I did. Listen, I, did, I was in the mortgage business for seventeen years. That, that gives you an advantage in this scenario. That's what I was going to say. I know. I know. What a, I know what a beautiful loan package looks like. But if you're doing it in this Mitch Steven uh, uh, school of thought, it's almost irrelevant. You need a note. You need an original note. You need certain documents just to prove that you that you've done your due diligence that the that the borrower can pay. But that's it. It doesn't matter if you give a guy a hundred eighty thousand dollars note for a property that could appraise at a hundred thousand dollars. It's irrelevant. So I like that better. Obviously, the hard part is raising the private money that's going to be a little longer term, right? Most of the private money that I've raised in the pre, in the past has been, you know, one year money, and this you really need you got, need people to start thinking like five year money. But I mean, maybe more, right? But I mean, the truth is, some of these will go ten years. But you can you can do a five year, let's say, interest only payment to a private lender on this. But the thing is, you're, you're making monthly payments to them every month, right? As you get the payment from the buyer, you're then paying hopefully a significantly smaller number to your private lender, right? Which is different, right? The private money that I've raised, the millions and millions of dollars of private money I've, I've raised, I pay everybody at the end, right? When I sell the property. Um, so this has an advantage in that they're, they're, they're seeing monthly interest only payments, um, but they I need them to commit for longer. So that's the, that's the, that's the one downside to the Mitch Steven method, but I think it's a much better method because I don't want to pay, um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want this fancy ass loan package that I can sell out into the market. I'm still selling it at a discount, right? I'm still selling it. At yeah, but then you're, you're not getting cash flow. You're fucking flipping at that point. Right. So to me, that's not that's not what I'm looking for. Well, no, what the, 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 the Nick Legamaro theory is that you're selling the first lien at a discount immediately, but you're getting the, should be getting the payments from the second lien. But 
But you know what? I, I'd rather I'd rather hold these. Um, I'd rather call. I'm the. I agree with you. And Mitch Steven says that he can sell his notes um, after, let's say, six months or sometimes even sooner. Um, he, the notes that he that he that he that he uh, made yeah, to the sense. to the buyer, he could sell them at 100 percent to the same people who are lending him money, right? So let's say he's borrowing money at let's say nine percent. Now he's got a note for 13 percent. He can go to that person and say, "Hey, you want to buy a note? And I'll service it for you, and I'll make sure it's done." So if, in the event you need cash, you can monetize the notes private, privately. So I like I like I like his system better, um, and I think that it's there's there's almost no downside. To be honest with you, because um, people won't for, for people won't stop making payments, and if they do, it's really not a problem because you get it out in three months, and then you just sell it to somebody else, and you make a you make another down payment on it, and it's fine. So no brainer. Uh, it's really it's really little downside on a, on a on a rental. I can think of a hundred things that can go wrong, right? I know. I I've I've gone through. I mean, you and I, we've gotten fucked. Yeah. A pandemic you have liability. Come. You have complete liability in a fucking rental. Of course. Complete. I have a umbrella policies for that reason. A pandemic shows up and you can't collect rent for three years. How's that for fun? <laughs> That's great. How, um, how about this thing called ERAP? E-R-A-P. How about two yeah. middle fingers and a fuck you sandwich? Uh, that so, was a mess, dude. There's so many, there's so many things yeah. that can go wrong, right? Ma- yeah. Major repairs. Like, easy to see why major repairs show up, right? You're not going to make a claim on your insurance company if you need to you know, replace a roof over something that, no, that they're would, not going to give it to you. Right. If it, if it didn't, if a tree didn't fall on it, if it just, if it just happened, you're not going to make a claim to your insurance company. If you got to buy appliances and these are things that show up all the time, yeah. you know, your, your tenant screws up and there's a leak and it's $3,000 to repair. You're probably not going to make a claim on your insurance company either. If you have a $2,500 deductible. So these are things that come up all the time. It's extremely um, labor intense. But but collecting money as the bank is really a much better situation, I think. So that's that's where I want to be, right? So if you I tell agree. me what my dream scenario would be in like five years from now, I have uh, 300 notes out there and I'm collecting them. That would be great. Yeah, that's be great. a lot of money. To me, then you really, honest to God, you could, on, it's the, I don't know a lot of passive income that's real passive income, but that's that's passive income. That's as passive as it gets. Right? You can't, because you're, you're just, you're literally a banker at that point. You're a glorified banker. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. The money is in the money. It's not in the real estate. It's in the money. Though, why do you think Chase Bank has the biggest building in the city in the world? Because one hundred percent, I've been all over the world. You've been all over the world. The biggest buildings in every city, doesn't matter where the fuck you are, are banks. Every 100%. single time. Quick question, and then we'll end the show, and then we're going to do our another show back to back here. Let me ask you this. I know we've talked about this before. This is a high level logistical question, but people will definitely benefit from it. Instead of raising that long term private money, this would be my thought process, and I'll. I'll, I'll you go out and you take a hard money loan or a private money loan for whatever you normally pay the same guys, same terms, same price. You do a, a, a rate and term refi. So you turn around, and this is what I'm doing now with rentals. Instead of doing this cash out refi bullshit, which you get fucked on. And there's, unless you have a ton of equity, because the closing costs are terrible and the seasoning's terrible. Ask me how I know you borrow all the money up front, the purchase, the renovation, whatever you need to be in that deal for with zero money. You bo- and you pre-borrow the interest. You borrow the interest too up front, right? So you can basically tack on whatever interest you're... Anyway, you borrow all the money up front. You have no money out of pocket. You go, you buy the property, maybe do a little bit of repairs, and then you turn around and you get a, a local bank to do a rate and term refi for a 15 or 30-year fixed mortgage or deed of trust in Texas in that case. Now you have permanent debt on the property. You have literally not a dollar of your own money in that thing. 
the, it's house money at this point. And then you go sell that price. Let's say you're paying 6% and you go turn around and sell that for 10% and wrap the fucking note you create with the borrower around the note you have with the credit union. Have you thought about that? Um, a lot no. of data, by the way. That was a lot no. of... I haven't thought about it, but I guess it's it's certainly possible. There's plenty of rental uh, loans out there, but my but my my thinking yeah. is that a, an ordinary bank is only going to give you, let's say, seventy five percent of the appraised value. And if I'm discount. if I'm owner financing this out, sometimes higher than the actual value, certainly higher than I paid for it, the yeah. bank is only going to give me a percentage of it, and it may or may not work. So, again. And on those, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to be full recourse, right? So if something goes wrong, Absolutely. not that it's yeah. wrong, it's full recourse. With 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 the private money, um, I may or may not be on the hook for it. I so I look at it as different. So, but again, it's something to look at, maybe or or do a blanket loan that kind of thing. Where it, hopefully, I, listen, hopefully, I get a, a hundred of these and I can go to a bank and say, G give me five percent on this stuff because rates gonna come down. But who but who knows? I don't know. Yeah. Well, that, the reason I'm saying that is because I have a friend who did this in Texas and I asked him about it. And he's like, I went to this credit union in Waco and I got a loan and then I turned, took around, turned around and wrapped that around the new loan. And he's like, now I don't got any more tenant calls. I'm like, so you basically bird the property and then you wrap the note. And he's like, yeah, I said, that's interesting. I've never heard of that. So then I, I figured I'd ask, I'd bring it up to you, but it's possible. It's, it's, a, it's, possible. An, it's an option. It's an option. It's an option. All right. So that was how you invest out of state. I hope if you're in New York, you're salivating right now. And if you are, Leave us a review. Uh, there's going to be more New York content coming up on the next episode. Uh, but if you want to do this out of state, here are the takeaways just to summarize the show. Don't do subject to in New York. You can do it once in a while, but not, prob not probable. Uh, never be the bank in New York ever, ever under any circumstances. Not even the commercial bank. I wouldn't even, well, I'd do anyway. And then uh, lease options, like you said, Mike, we didn't cover that that much. But yeah, they are tough because the payment doesn't, the taxes fuck it up. But do this out of work, state. Go to Pennsylvania. It, work, it works in areas where you know the median price is one hundred yeah. one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, because the taxes over there are going to be a thousand dollars a year if, if you're if you know if it's really expensive. I mean, I've looked at properties where the taxes in Oklahoma are four hundred dollars a year for the taxes. Four hundred dollars for the year. That's a by the way, shipment. by the way, the, the properties I'm looking at in Waco uh, in in El Paso are like two three thousand dollars a year. The taxes in Texas are high because of the no income tax. I this is happening on a Houston deal I'm buying right now. The taxes are like nine grand, and I'm like, what the fuck? But it's a big house. Anyway, that's the New York show. Stay tuned for the next one, and we'll catch you guys soon. Take care.